Hello. Well, until the, the mic comes through, maybe we just raise our voices. Okay. Um, Dean Craig, the writer of the film you've just seen, uh, and we'd like to take questions from the audience. I'd just like to get the ball rolling by asking a few questions of my own. Um, I guess the obvious first question is to say something about the development of the project, where the idea came from, and how it arrived in the hands of Frank Oz and got turned into a film. Uh, wow, that's, that's like four questions. Um, but, um, yeah, well, I guess it was just some, it was something I was writing that I was, uh, you know, I, I actually intended at first to be a very small film. I was kind of thinking, okay, it's a very contained sort of, you know, one house, one location <clears throat> comedy that I've written, and I was thinking I'm going to make this for a tiny amount of money and I can shoot it and, you know, I could, could see how it could all work. And then... Um, there was a kind of a, an American producer director that I know that I was friends with who who wanted to see the script and he looked at it and then he said to me, you know, we can make a prop, you know, we can make a big film out of this. And I thought he was mad actually when he first said that. I thought it's never going to happen. But um, and he had a, a, a sort of a partner called Cher Stallings who used to work for Frank Oz. And she called me up one day after I decided to take these producers on and give it a go. And she called me up one day and said, I'd like to give it to Frank Oz. And again, that seemed like a really weird idea at the time. And, seemed, you know, and I thought, OK, that's very, very strange, but let's see what he thinks of it. You know, we weren't really even thinking of him directing it at the time. It was just to see what he thought of the script and if he wanted to help champion it or anything like that. And then he uh, came on came back and said he wanted to actually direct it. So what, I mean, for those who don't know Frank Ozzy's work, what was your understanding? When people mention Frank Ozzy's name, mm. what did you associate him with? What, what, what style, what tone, what approach, what kinds of films? Um, well, my, my immediate thought was, well, I had two immediate thoughts. <coughs> One is that, okay, this is going to be a much, if he comes on board, this is going to be a much bigger film than I, thought of it as, you know, so there's obviously ramifications there in terms of being, you know, sort of bigger budget, more sort of, um, and, and to potentially getting a much bigger audience and, you know, what that would do for my career. But then it was also, uh, you know, it's, it's an American director and it's uh, suddenly thought, well, that's also going to be broader than I m m perhaps had intended it. So there was sort of a two sort of tiered yeah, sort of thing Yeah, and how you seen the result? I mean, watching yeah. it, you could imagine that, you know, as with, with a lot of films, in the hands of a different director, yeah. taking a different approach, there's a, there's a potentially different tone there. That, that, mm. that oh, If it was an English director, or if you directed it, mm -hmm. I wonder if you want to say something about um, just how dark you saw it, and, 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 and how an American might have reinterpreted it for an American audience. Yeah, well, I think uh, I sort of... Uh, I intended it. First, I I, I, ha I really do like the film. I really do, and so it's the only thing I say is just sort of to do with sort of old, uh, you know, sort of my initial thoughts. But I, I definitely thought of it when I first wrote it as uh, darker and more like, uh, you know, almost a drama 
but with you know these sort of comedic things happening. I think I you know if I directed it, I would have played it as a drama. Um, but um, sorry, what was the actual question? I completely changed. It's to do with the tone, right? Uh, and what the, what an American director brought to right. it in terms of what you imagined it could have been. Okay, yeah. So, well, I think a good sort of example is. Um, is, is like the, the Peter Dinklage thing. So p bringing in a guy that was, so when, when I first wrote the script, I didn't write that character as... This is a small person. Small person, yeah. Yes. Sorry, I should have. Um, so I didn't write the character as a small person. He was just a normal guy that was just, you know, had an affair with the father and was, was blackmailing them. And then um, Frank Oz rang me up, and it was similar to the call I got about, you know, getting Frank Oz on board, where it was like he rang me up and said, I'm thinking of Peter Dinklage. And I thought, okay, that's... <laughs> Really interesting. It, uh, my initial thought was, again, that's going to be broader than I intended it, but it also seemed to work, and it, it did solve that problem of how we fit him into the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you didn't stand on your feet and say, no way, you know, I wrote this for a normal person, you're not going to impose a person of small stature on this film, it's going to change the tone and feel a bit completely. You didn't. You thought, mm, yeah, that's Yeah, work. I mean, I think if I'd done that, then all that would have happened is that Peter Dinklage would have done it anyway, and I just wouldn't, you know, been out the door. So, uh, yeah, that, there was very little point in doing that. And also, you know, I could see certain benefits, and, and he's a really good actor, and, you know, I thought, I was, you know, after my mission, 20 minutes, I was sort of in a bit, slight state of shock, and then I kind of got used to the idea. How about in terms of the development of that? How do you, in the audience here, there's a number of people who are writing feature screenplays and yeah. um, trying to break into the, the business like, like you with features. And, mm. um, and they're interested in how people, you know, different writers approach material. Like Bill Nicholson was, was here recently and he was talking about he, he can't write something unless he knows the end because he writes to the end. Everything is building to the end. Mm. At what point in the development of the idea, and you clearly had to have a cracking secret in there mm. that you decide upon mm -hmm. and then work and build toward the lover yeah. blackmailing <coughs> idea. Mm -hmm. At what point did you arrive at that? Uh, at the actual lover blackmailing idea? Yeah, as something to work towards. Or did you just follow the, the idea of the funeral and the different narrative lines? I mean, as you were developing the idea... It's really difficult to remember, to be honest with you, how what came first and what, you know, what the, the sequence of how I thought of things. But I definitely had specific ideas in my head that I, that I knew I wanted to be part of the film, and that the blackmail idea was definitely one of them. And I could see in my head how that was going to go, that it was going to sort of spiral out of control and... And accelerate, and I think that that was a sort of a definitely something I was trying to achieve when I was writing. It was I wanted an acceleration. I wanted it to start off very normal and kind of mundane almost, and then for things to sort of slowly, you know, sort of uh, spiral out of control and get and be become more and more ridiculous and absurd. Because I th I felt like that was the way that we were going to kind of buy these sort of slightly weird things happening, as if we believed in the characters and what they were doing, um, you know, and just believed in them as real people. So that was what I was trying to achieve with the script. Um, so, you know, and then sort of as, as I'm writing, sort of other things sort of come in. So it, I knew I wanted to have, for example, the body falling out of the coffin at a sort of relatively early point. And I think it was actually that led to my thinking about the idea of someone being on acid and thinking of, you know, there being someone actually alive in the coffin. And so sort of that sort of worked backwards, and then I could see where that could go. And, um, you know, and then I sort of realized I was doing the, sort of following these two strands, and 
there was this great moment where, it, for me, when I was writing it, where I realized that because Simon was out on the roof naked, um, that meant that there was no one in the lounge so they could move the body. And that was sort of the moment for me where I'd realized these two, you know, pretty much con completely separate strands could uh, connect. And that was, you know, so that was sort of a good, good moment for me. It was one of those sort of eureka. Did you at any point, you know, or even now in reflection, uh, think what you wanted to say with this film, what, what the theme might be other than the gags, other than it's a great idea? Mm. Uh, I mean, clearly the emotional line is, mm -hmm. and, and the way it's pulled together at the end, is on the less successful brother being acknowledged by mm. his more successful peer, yeah. and able to give the speech that really just nails everything down. Mm -hmm. And that's quite moving, actually, and that's, you know, that's... That for me is the kind of emotional thrill. Everything else is kind of gags and stuff, and yeah. you needed something like that to put it together. At what point did you arrive at, at that thought and realize that actually was what it was about? Um, pretty early. My brother is a writer, actually. He's a playwright, and well, he knows the TV and film and stuff. So um, there was a long period in my life where he was sort of, he was the successful brother that was getting things done, he had plays on, and I would go to things like funerals, and people would say, oh, you know, your brother's doing really well, isn't he? Oh, you know, you must be really proud. And I'd be like, yeah, I've, I've written something. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and, and actually, quite specifically with a eulogy, because my brother did this eulogy for my grandfather's funeral that everyone was, at, was like sort of floored by. And um, you know, and they loved this eulogy. And then, uh, and and so, and I actually did a, a sort of a second eulogy for another grandfather. And I was very nervous, and I definitely had that feeling of sort of living up to my, my brother's, you know, and, and that feeling that everyone's going to be really disappointed because my brother's not doing it, you know, because they loved his eulogy. And you know, I'm obviously taking it a little far, but you know, but it's it definitely comes from. Uh, from a real place. Are, you, are you waiting until you get that three picture deal with Miramax before you go see your brother and say, remember when you used to be the more successful brother? <laughs> I've already said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got plenty of questions, but I'm sure there, there, are, there are some uh, in the audience who might want to ask me uh, one or two. Are there any, any questions that anyone would like to ask me? Ivan, <laughs> today. Um. I was just wondering, like, if you could talk a little bit more about, um, you know, when you said that you had initially wanted to be more serious, if you could go into a little bit more of, like, that initial conception. Yeah, not necessarily serious, uh, but um, I kind of, you know, there's, there's sort of certain films, I guess, that I've sort of, um, uh, sort of thought of more into, I, I just, I really like comedy. I mean, I like different types of comedy, but I really like comedy when it's played totally straight. So, for example, I, I just come into my head, there's something like Larry Sanders, which is played completely straight. It's very tragic, but it's, you know, but at the same time, it's hilarious. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you could turn it on and be mistaken for thinking you could be, you're watching a drama, but it's, it's still hilarious. Huh. So that's the sort of thing I meant. You mentioned the lady killers to me, and, and uh, 
Alexander McKay, or something okay. like that, actually, okay. a review of your film. Okay. They referred to right. kind of black comedy and um, Ewing comedies. Mm -hmm. That wasn't uh, an influence or a reference point for you? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's a massive compliment just to be associated because I love, I absolutely love that film. And it's one, you know, and I think it is, you know, it probably is an influence. I don't think it was something I was consciously thinking of. But it is a similar type of humour, I guess, where, you know, the idea they're trying to kill a sweet old lady. It's that sort of dark comedy, I guess, which, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a million miles away. But, uh, but, um, I think that even though it sort of feels somewhat like an eating comedy, they weren't necessarily my conscious influences uh, as much as that it might appear. Sorry, Nico, did you have a question? No. It's a bit like a general question, but um, and it can be applied to a point earlier about um, your brother and you know in real sort of your relationship and how mm -hmm. you know competition. How how much of your writing is like the most embarrassing secrets that you just don't that, that, that just come from inside that you don't want to tell people about? Do you think that that's the real stuff that, that people want to hear, or like I'm, I'm not phrasing that properly? I, th I think I know but what you mean. Is that the best you know bit of writing you sort of come up with? It's when it's real, when when you experience so. an embarrassing thing. People can connect with. Yes, I, I find that myself. Like mm -hmm. it, it's just about getting there. Yeah, and it's maybe taking something that's real and then you, you twist it into something that is maybe not going to be so connected to, to you. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. I mean, I think just whenever you write successfully, it's is because it's come from some sort of place of honesty and and you know some something personal. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually on set the entire time, which is you know, as some of you may know, is, is quite a privilege for a writer because they're normally the first person to be you know excluded from you know the set. But um, but yeah, I had a, it was a good relationship. It's a very good. You know, I'm just, we're still uh, you know. Quite friendly, and you know, sort of. So, so it it, it stayed stayed a good relationship. Um, you know, I think that's partly because um, Frank was has a very he's very experienced, and he knows how to work with writers, so he doesn't sort of stamp his authority. And actually, the first meeting I had with him, he said, "I don't want to change anything," and you know, which was like great. And obviously, you know, then we got into set, like little things and sort of changing. But except for the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except we're going to have them make bad guys a dwarf, you know. Um, but um, yeah, so so that was really good. And and at the same time, um, as I, as I was sort of saying earlier, I didn't, you know, sort of shout and scream. I, you know, you 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 have to be aware that you're working in a collaborative industry, and especially as a sort of a, a young writer, you have to, you know, have a certain attitude. Otherwise, you will get kicked off the set, and you you know because you don't hold any actual power. You're just sort of there by, you know, the grace of whoever decides that you're, you're allowed to be there. Was it difficult to let go? Yeah, it was. It was. But, um, you know, it's, it's like giving your baby to, to good parents. Yeah.
actually do have a question now. Um, when you when I was watching the film, I felt that there were a lot of um, French window scenes. You know, there were a lot of places where people were talking away from the main action and stuff like that. Okay. Was there any point of uh, in time during the uh, writing process where you felt you were writing it too? It felt too much of a too stagey, too much of a stage play. Um, and whether you could go back from it. Mm. <laughs> I, where I felt it was too much of a stage. I never felt that like I was writing a stage, something like a stage. I mean, I knew that it was one, one of the reasons Very I wrote. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is farcical, but one of the reasons I wrote it is because it's very contained, and, you know, and I was at a stage of my career where I wasn't going to write, you know, a big $200 million epic film. You know, I was going to do something that was, you know, very producible, that, you know, was producer-friendly and not too expensive to make. So, um, so that was one of the reasons I, I sort of put it in this sort of one main location. Um, I never thought of it as stagey, though, partly because... Um, I don't know. I just didn't. I don't know if I've got. You know, I just didn't see it as a, a stage play. I mean, although I know that people. something, you know, classically like rules of the game, yeah. you know, the Renoir film. You know, it's full of that kind of referencing and, and influence. But you wouldn't say rules of the game wasn't a movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it, it's an interesting. Yeah. Kind of reflection because I mean, it's quite mobile. It's quite mm -hmm. fluid. It's quite action oriented, isn't it? It's, yeah. It requires close-ups, and it requires... And also there's lots of characters, there's lots of different stories going on which you can't, you know, which is much harder to achieve in a stage play, I think. Um, yeah, although I think it could be done on stage, and, you know, I, I hope to see the stage play version. You probably do the more successful version. Yeah, probably. Stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm writing my first script. I don't actually. I sort of, um, and you know, and that is a way that I'm, I'm sure a lot of writers do it, and it's probably it probably helps. Um, but uh, for me, I um, I don't know how to say this other than I just kind of hear them in my head, and I know who they are and what they're like. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's really how you know, and and sometimes they're sort of based somewhat on people I know, um, you know. But there's in general, I I sort of think of a character and I'll know if it if it works. That is, sometimes it doesn't work at all, and you know that character's never going to be seen in anything. But when it works, it's just I know exactly what they what they sound like and what they're going to say. Uh, that that sort of does. It's a bit like the classic question that writers often get asked is, you know, where do you get ideas from? But when you are, um, incidentally, for those who don't know me, my name is Brian Dunnigan, and I run the screenwriting program at school, so it's something that interests me, is can you teach writing, and how do you approach teaching it, and I work with people who are writing. And, um, and I think, you know, the, the idea that you can break it down, and there are, you know, certain, every writer approaches the work in a different way, and I think that, Sometimes there isn't an answer other than, you know, you just do it. Yeah. How long did it take you to write? Um, 
Again, it's a difficult question because I sort of wrote the first draft in maybe a couple of months, two or three months, but then, you know, then you kind of go away from it and then I come back and, you know, get some feedback and then yeah, and, and work on it again. So, you know, I would say, though, it's sort of, it was alive for six to eight months before we got the producers on board, about six months. about um, your script because you were, you were sort of alluding to this before yeah. when you had to make the decision to go for these producers or not and it's a, it seems to me the kind of story that could if it was perhaps made in the UK or on a smaller budget and in a different way it would have, it would have been quite a small film but, mm -hmm. um, but obviously with Frank Oz and kind of with the American sensibilities a bit of more, more of a commerciality that he brought to it does have you learned anything from that and, and, and what, the, what the difference is? Because I think that's something that UK screenwriters um, often sort of struggle with, making films that are really um, engaging and emotional and exciting to see, but also quite, also quite commercial mm. without kind of sacrificing. Yeah, and I would say I was very much one of those English screenwriters. I think I'm very English in some in, in that respect. And you know, as I said, I thought I saw it as a really small film, and then and it took this very American producer friend of mine, who's really American, who said, "We're going to make this for twenty million dollars," and it was you know it was like we were coming from different completely different worlds. But um, you know, is, is there anything I've learned from it? Um, well, I've learned that, you know, it, it, we probably in this country think small, and I think Americans think big, you know, and, and maybe we don't have to think as small as, as we do. Is that the sort of thing? Yeah, and, but also, I mean, do you, do you think it's a, a money issue, or do you think it's, I mean, yeah. I, I, mean I, don't know, I don't know what the budget was of, of Death and Funeral, but... About $10 million. But do you, do you think if you had half half the money, you still could have made it as big a film as it is now? Um, is that a uh, yeah, probably with half the money. Um, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the other way that this film could have gone is it could have been a really small indie film, you know, that could have been... Um, rather than kind of going for the commercial sort of tone, could have gone for an edgier tone and been, you know, a small, you know, small like indie film that would have been seen by a tenth or a twentieth of the amount of people, but, you know, maybe got some good reviews, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, when we were talking earlier, you were telling me that it's, um, there's a list of... Uh, of independent films or ones that have a limited release in the States and it's already been released in the States. Uh, and it, it's up there with Life of Life Others and uh, Yeah. You know, so it's it's been quite well. Yeah, actually. yeah. So it's been one one of the biggest limited releases. It's not going head to head with foreign ultimatum, but it's, it's not. Funnily enough, I think he was born in Hampshire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong. I think it was Hereford or Hampshire. Um, but, yeah, so he, he was born um, in England, and when he did The Muppets, he spent a lot of time here because they, they shot a lot of it, and they just shot Star Wars in London. 
So, um, you know, he spent a lot of time in England. And, you know, I think he just went off his instincts. Um, and, you know, and he had the actors that he was working with. Um, so he wasn't too worried about it. I mean, did you feel like it was no, authentic? I mean, I, there was no point where I thought any of those writers wouldn't do that. Right. Was, yeah. But there is a, I mean, it's a powerful larger discussion, I think, that whether it's knowing that the director's American, looking at it when I, when I saw it before, I thought that there were, you know, there were some gains and losses, that there were some subtleties and nuances of, of English life that, you know, that an English director would have played differently and would have teased out of the material. Um, and I, I, you know, I think it's smoothed out and broadened, as you mm. say. You know, it, maybe it gets a wider international audience accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, that's a personal. Yeah, and I mean, it's also interesting that I mean, Frank Oz doesn't, and and I, in some ways, it's not broad. It's not broad, relatively speaking. It's just broad compared to an English um, treatment or potentially potential yes. English treatment of the film. Um, you know, because also, you know, I mean, in America, it got a lot of references to four weddings and a funeral, which may be partly because of the funeral words. Uh, but also, I think because people sort of watch it and they see similarities, and that is definitely not the sort of thing that I was thinking of when I wrote it. I mean, I'm just not, you know, I didn't see any Richard Curtis similarity at all. But um, well, there was a wedding in it, of course. Yeah. Once he came out of the acid trip, you know, That's he was about true. to begin another trip. That's true. It was even more terrifying. Did you ever say on his cast or? Um, I had no say. Um, it's definitely um, the way it works. The writer doesn't have a say in general, unless they make themselves a producer or you know maybe if you you know if you are Richard Curtis, you, you almost certainly get a say. But um, but they were they always consulted me and you know we discussed. I was I always saw I wasn't actually allowed in the casting sessions, but I always saw the tapes, so I could say this guy is really good or this guy is really not right. It's not how I saw them. Um, so, you know, I was definitely consulted. Yeah. Um, how is this like, you, you know, working in this commercial venue? Has it um, changed at all the way you would uh, go about writing um, scripts? Or yeah, how has it, I guess, influenced you? Hmm. Well, yeah, it probably has. Um, and in some ways, actually, you know, there are certain... I think everything has pros and cons, and in certain ways, it's been a really positive experience, and I've got to sort of meet and, and work with, you know, some pretty big people in, in America that, that I'm working with now. Um, and, and in other ways, I really miss that sort of... Um, Kind of. I mean, it sounds ridiculous because I, you know, it was only a couple of years ago. But I, I miss this, this sort of sense of innocence of when you're writing very purely, just what you want to write, and um, you know, with that sort of more indie mindset, which is is probably more my sensibility. So you know, like probably a lot of people in the film industry, you sort of you know, you have to struggle between that sort of indie side of you and the and the kind of the commercially minded side of it. Do you think you'd go back to the indie <coughs> side now or would you are you gonna attempt more to go into like the commercial thing? Um 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, th I think that I'm planning to, well, I'm hoping to, to direct, be a director, so that would definitely entail sort of, I think, thinking along more indie lines, I think, certainly for my, yeah. <coughs> I, I mean, I d I'm, I've always loved sort of indie films, so I think that ultimately when I've got, you know, when I, I well, if I get to the point where I really can do what I want, it would be, it would be more along the lines of indie films and more sort of different and, yeah, vaguely experimental rather than big commercial films. Have you got a sense of, I mean, people I'm sure already, uh, you told me that you've, you've got a lawyer, you've got an agent, <laughs> and you've got something yeah. else, a bodyguard, no? What's the third one? There's an asset. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got, um, I've got, well, I've got an agent in America and here, and a TV agent in America, and a lawyer and a manager. But, you know, as part of being successful, people begin to see you in a certain way. So you made the successful comedy. Mm -hmm. um, people in America see you as a comedy writer. Oh, get that, that English, that limey, you know, comedy writer. Mm -hmm. But you don't, do you? You've got, I mean, have you got a sense of the kinds of subjects, the kinds of genre that you're interested in? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in all different kinds of genres and, and all different kinds of films. And I never certainly never saw myself as a, a kind of a comedy writer when I started writing. It was just sort of partly something that came out and, and also something that happened as a result of, um, we haven't mentioned this, but I, I used to read scripts for a living and I, I read hundreds and hundreds of scripts for a lot of companies. And so I got, I got a really good sense of what it's like to read a script and be affected by it. And one of the main things that I, that I found I got impacted by uh, from reading a script is if it made me laugh. Um, you know, if something, if I read something that made me laugh, then I'd want to give it to whoever I was reading it for and say, you should read this, this is worth reading. Um, and so I realized that, and so when I was writing my, my first screenplays, I was very conscious of, want, you know, the, the power of being able to make someone laugh on the page. Oh really? <laughs> they hate readers. Well, then they should read the scripts. They should write. <laughs> well, they, they, they do. Okay. <laughs> the ones that do. Okay. Okay. Um, but I'm a reader, and so I was sat there keeping my mouth quiet. So right. Same thing. And um, they basically said what they didn't like was um, having to put everything in a box. And I one day like to write, so mm -hmm. I'm thinking, did that have any impact? You being a reader, did that have any impact on the way that you wrote? Do you think? Uh, well, certainly. I mean, in the in, as I said, I mean, in that I I wrote a comedy script as my first well, my first couple of scripts. Um, but were you sort of more aware of um, what would sell or, or structure? Or? Um, I don't think I was thinking so much about what would sell. I was thinking about what would work, mm. um, and I think it's definitely structure. And I think you learn um, an incredible amount from reading scripts, actually. Uh, I read so many, and you know, I think, but and, and by the end, and I don't know how many, how long you've been doing it, but you get to a point where you're sort of you read something and you know instantly if it's working or not. You just do, and so you really hone that skill. And so if you know if someone else's script is working, you know if your script is working. And um, yeah, so I think there's a, there's really a lot to be said for reading reading material, even material that's not very good, because you you, you just sort of you know. You really develop that skill of, like, you know, knowing why this character is not interesting and why this character is interesting, and you know that that kind of thing. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Was it like um, <clears throat> when you wrote the script? Wasn't like a balance between the sort of the drama and the comedy? Because I mean, I felt it was so funny that actually, you know, I laughed a lot, I enjoyed it, but that took me away from the actual brothers' relationship or the, you know, the right. the in the in the family, you know, what's going on between the family and the re, re, you know reuniting of of the family mm -hmm. because someone died. And, but it was, it was so funny that actually, you know, I, I, I sort of was taking away in the end. I was almost like, you know, a bit surprised. So when when you write in general, like, or past scripts that you've done, or future scripts, mm. is it something that you want more drama involved? Or or you just focus on the straight, hilarious comedy? What is the... Uh, well, I think that comedy doesn't really work. Um, and I'm really generalising here, but comedy doesn't really work unless it comes from a real place. So I think that if, you, if you're writing, uh, so for me, if I'm writing characters and uh, situations that I believe in that are real dramatically, then the comedy can come from there. So, so I, in a sense, I write, it like, you know, I write it like a drama, but with, you know, but people responding, reacting to things in... <coughs> Yeah, what I think of funny ways. Um, yeah, so I think I... I like, for example, sideways. Mm. I'm not sure you say it's, it's a, bit of a di different approach. Uh, you know, it's more like a comedy situation. <coughs> where, you know, it's more, I would say, dramatic. Or right. Is, is it, is it some, but it's, it's still funny, but not as funny as, as this sort of genre. So I'm trying to find, you know, what makes the difference. Is there a fine balance between those two in terms of how you start? Um, as a starting point, you have to distinguish that you're going to go for something hilarious or you're going to go for something that has just characters that they sort of, you know, you f you're going to feel emotionally the character rather than just, you know, the contrast between them and, you know. Yeah, well, I think the difference, if you, if you compare, if you want to, comp I, I mean, I think it's the same thing, really. I think that, you know, I, when I started writing this, I was thinking, I was writing characters that I wanted to be real and I wanted a dramatic narrative. Um, and I think the difference between this and Sideways is that the things that happen in this film are more extreme and more absurd. So um, it's still like written dramatically, but with funny things happening. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whereas in Sideways, um, for for a lot of the film, it's kind of it's it's little funny things, but not sort of you know big funny sort of uh, events. I mean, no one kind of, no one takes acid or dies or anything like that. I mean, and, you know, there are some really funny scenes, particularly towards the end of the film, and they're probably as funny as they are because you've had the whole build-up and you so believe in those characters and, you know, the kind of the, the dramatic kind of through-line of the film. <coughs> didn't censor myself in as much as, uh, well, you know, you sort of, whenever I'm writing something, I, you know, there gets to a point where I'm, I, I know, in, I'm, I'm sort of know instinctively if this is going too far or if this is not believable or something, so I censor myself in that respect. But do you mean in a sort of terms of being offensive or? Yeah, in a way, because sometimes it, when people write, they, they write something which maybe they think is really funny, mm -hmm. but then someone else believes it isn't so funny or something. 
Yeah, well, look, I mean, you can't, you're never going to get everyone. And, you know, I think especially with comedy, if, if you write something that's going to be funny, it's also going to be probably offensive to someone. Um, I, I have to trust my instinct that I'm not an offensive uh, person in general. And I don't believe that my sort of feelings about things are, um, are sort of, uh, what's the word? Well, you know, I trust myself that I don't have sort of negative or malicious intents. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that if I do something, if I write something and I think it's funny, then it probably isn't that bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. I hope you weren't offended. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever, as a writer, feel the pressure to be like the voice of wisdom or something, like you have to know it all, you have to know what to say in this situation. Like uh, the speech at the end when he is supposed to flow everybody, like you said earlier. Do you ever feel the pressure that uh, you, I don't know, you know, this is, mm. you know what I mean? Well, you have to be really clever or yeah, something. Yeah, like you have to be, the, the know it all kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. And interestingly, when I first started writing, I was because uh, I'm actually I was trying to write. The first few scripts I tried to write were really sort of like grim character portraits that were full of philosophy, and you know, and I would sort of reread this stuff and just think, oh my god, it sounds so fucking pretentious. I can't, you know, show this to anyone. And so it was, you know, when I and I sort of had to clear that out of my sort of repertoire and just sort of write with, without any sort of pretension, without any trying to be clever or trying to, you know, seem intelligent. Because I think you can't, I think you can't get away with it in film. I think you can get away with it on stage. But in film, you, do, you just, people don't want to see that. And, or it has to be sure, very how, subtle. How are you sure you find the right words? Like in that speech at the end, to have that effect? I don't know. Again, I think, again, if you know your character, you know what they're going to say. Um, and so it just sort of comes out. I mean, that speech I actually wrote um, in about 10 minutes. And I wrote it the first time, and I never changed it. And it was like, it was as simple as that. And I just, you know, I did it. If, it could have easily been one of those things where I sort of tortured myself over and thought, what are the right words here? You know, was it? You know, but I didn't. I just wrote it out. In literally, like, it was a 10, 15 minute period, and those were the first words that came out. And I showed it to the producer, and she said, okay, that's, that's fine, mm -hmm. cool. Um, about how many hours a day do you spend on the script? Like, how many hours, a, your, like, your typical writing day? <coughs> I don't really have a typical writing day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very, very easily distracted. So I would hate to think how many actual hours I write um, compared to how many hours I look at my emails and you know, look, stare out the window or whatever. Um, so I can't, you know. I bet, but the thing is that when I, and this is obviously a personal thing, and you know, everyone's different, but when I'm really into something, um, then I can't stop writing. And then I sort of, I'll, you know, work sort of, all hours, I'll get up in the morning and I'll just, I'll just want to get straight to the script and I won't want to leave it and I'll forget to have lunch and, you know, that, that sort of thing. But then, you know, I can go weeks without writing a single word, so it's very, very, uh, very erratic and probably unhealthy. Um, 
Absolutely don't do that, no. I would just uh, write, write the script. And you know, and then people talk to me about like, oh, you've got to have this, you know, your page 30, you're inciting incident on page 10, and your page 30 is you know, where the, uh, whatever comes in. And I just think, you know, you've, I, I think, it's good to know that stuff probably, but then it's good to forget about it as soon as you know it. Because <laughs> you don't want to be held back by that, by that sort of thinking. You want to just let the story take on its own life. And you know, and that is, I think led by the characters to a large extent, because if the characters are being real and they're doing what they, sh you know, would be doing, then they'll just sort of, you know, take their own course. They won't. Yeah. Whereas if you've got to fit them into some of these rigid guidelines, <laughs> then uh, you know that can really make a script tough. I think. Okay. I'm sorry. What was the mo the thing that puzzled you the most about when we when you were doing that script when you were writing it? What was the thing that couldn't figure out or something that you know you thought you had a writer's block or um I think um the, the actual true answer to that is I tried it several times I knew I was writing a, a film about a funeral and I knew that um yeah the sort of thing I was doing but I couldn't quite get the tone for the first two or three attempts and I would sort of get sort of 40 pages in and then think, no, it's not right, there's something wrong. And then, so, you know, that was, it was really that, it was getting the tone just right and getting, you know, which, which led to getting the dynamics of the characters right and, and the way that every, you know, everything sort of uh, it, it came from there. So that was it, just getting, getting the tone. Yeah. Which I think the director does it very well with the credits at the beginning. Setting the tone, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, that's quite cool. Which I don't think is, is not in the, in the writing process, is it? Wasn't that sort of style? I didn't write yeah. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like coffee going, but I think it's quite significant in a way. Yeah, setting like you know, you know, you're watching, it was saying about this death, is you know. funny and it's yeah. about death, and it's yeah. Um, uh, just a curiosity, how many drafts did you <coughs> write until the final one? It's really hard to say because it's. You know, when, when you're on set, you change a word, and then they, they issue a new draft. And we got through, you know, like every day was a new draft. So you get to sort of, you know, 38 or whatever, I don't know. But it's, um, but in terms of actual drafts, the truth is, the way I did this one, actually, was I wrote a 70-page draft. So it was like quite an outline, but it had all the characters in it. had most of what was happening. Um, and that was the first draft that I showed to a couple of friends got a good reaction, and then I sort of went from there, so I built it, so it wasn't, you know, it didn't go the same way as, as a lot of scripts go, where you just sort of completely rework it and change the structure, it was like I had the structure and then built on top of that. Okay, we're coming to the last few questions. Okay. What are you doing next? Um, I'm doing, I've got a few um, jobs, I'm doing a script for Warner Brothers. Um, Comedy? It is a comedy. It's called Asshole. <laughs> but I can't believe I said that. I'm cringing so much. But uh, or Asshole, as I insist on calling it. Um, but it's um, it is a comedy. It's probably not as broad as it sounds, actually, by the title. But it's uh, and I'm doing something for for Johnny Depp's company, also in America. And I'm 
We've just written a sitcom as well for England. I think we're going to hear a lot more about the intrigue. Thank you very much for sharing your insights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.